Support for this podcast comes from the Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to making Texas businesses safer, stronger, better. Learn more about how Texas Mutual helps protect your people and your business at texasmutual.com better. This is No Hill for a Climber from Texas Public Radio. I'm Michael Taylor. Dorsey Barger was the co-founder and owner of the Eastside Cafe in Austin, Texas, one of Austin's first farm-to-table restaurants. She's now running, co-founded, and owns the House Bar, Urban Farm, and Guest House in Austin, Texas. Welcome, Dorsey. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate your taking the time to find out about our crazy little farm world. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to start at a moment. I think it is interesting that you graduated with a degree from the University of Virginia in religious studies. And that does not initially sound like the makings of a restaurateur. But the more I learned about you, the more it seems this is actually the perfect place to begin. You have been on a mission with your businesses. Can you describe your mission, perhaps in religious terms? <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you think about it, Michael... What else are you going to do with a religious studies degree? (laughs) (laughs) There are not, it turns out, people banging on your door when you graduate saying, I need you to come work for me. (laughs) If you were to describe your business with a religious word, are you faithful, pious, missionary, evangelical, a zealot? (laughs) Which one? Wow. Zealot for sure. Zealot for sure. Yes, I tend to grab an idea and go after it with religious fervor and want to bring people into the fold. So, for example, when I was in high school, I dreamed of owning my own restaurant in a house and I Mm -hmm. just conceived of the whole thing fully formed. I wanted a place that Um, that the structure of the house would also um, mimic the feel of the business. So if you came to my restaurant, you were going to feel invited into my home. You were going to feel like uh, like a guest, like that's cliche in the restaurant business, but truly somebody who had been invited into this home and, and allow us to take care of you. Okay. So that was a religious, I mean, it was a quest. It's so funny that you asked me that question because I'd never thought of it that way, but that's exactly what I conceived of this quest to bring people (laughs) in, to take care of them, make them feel at home. One of my earlier guests on the show, he said that restaurants are an extension of the owner's personal identity fantasy. And yours actually begins, I think, in your teenage years. You had a, a fantasy of a house restaurant uh, because you couldn't find good places to eat. Because you didn't like the food that your mom was making. Yes. And that made you a very unusual teenager on a quest. My mother thought that cooking was opening a can of, um, you know, Chef Boyardee raviolios or dropping a bird's eye boiling bag of broccoli in cheese sauce um, in boiling water or opening a can of canned asparagus. I mean... I just thought food was horrible. These were clearly searing experiences for you as a child. <laughs> Absolutely traumatic. Not over them yet. Yeah. 
And so when I first discovered that you could go to restaurants and eat somewhere that wasn't my home, and I discovered good food, that was a religious experience. And one of the places that I went to repeatedly in high school was an incredible interior Mexican food restaurant called Armando's in Houston. And it was in an old house. And I began eating there as often as I could. And I felt like I was in somebody's home. I was an invited guest. And the food was incredible. And I walked in and people knew my name and they were glad to see me. And the dream was born fully formed right there. So Eastside Cafe, you run, you ran for more than a decade. How close did you get to creating a temple to your vision? So 24 years, actually. Okay, um, 24 years. 24 years of the Eastside Cafe. And I would say, I would say I nailed it. <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to sound immodest, but I nailed the dream. So the early on moment that was so pivotal, my business partner, who was also my life partner at the time, she was the cooking end of things. That was never my forte. My end of things was going to be business management and front of the house, as we call it in the biz we decided to go find a house to have a restaurant in. We just happened to find this realtor who was wanting to show an acre of land and an old house that's been converted into a restaurant is now available for sale. You've got to see it. And it turned out that we knew this restaurant already. And we both just jumped up and down because we had actually eaten there and really created our own restaurant sitting there eating. We said, if this were our restaurant, we would change this, we would move this, we would serve this here, or we created the whole thing over a meal. So we raced to meet this realtor at the restaurant Carla's and just knew that instant we stepped on the property that this was absolutely our restaurant in the house. So if somebody hears the word farm to table, they begin to form an idea of what that is. But can you tell me, what is the customer experience that you provided that fit your vision? What were they getting? So this is 1985, and Alice Waters in uh, California had recently opened Chez Panisse. And her restaurant was absolutely, truly a farm-to-table restaurant. She sourced everything from local farms. We were never able to do that because... At the time, there weren't local farms for us to source from that we had access to, but we did have this third of an acre organic vegetable garden already on the property. So that's what we gave people was, you can walk through our garden and you can see where this cool stuff is growing. That sounds like you feel very proud. I love that you said you nailed it. Are the customers getting your vision or are they getting a part of it? How did that work? They are completely... And for me, the customer was the good part of the deal. I really like people, which is funny, I'm shy. But I really like people, and if I'm on my turf, I'm super comfortable, and I love interacting with you, and I love having you come to me. And so for me, that was the deal, to share experiences with people who would come into the restaurant. I'm obsessed a little bit with what does success mean, and... I'm already sussing out that you felt very successful because it 
it filled your bucket and you provided something that customers also wanted or they should want. There was an educational element to it or an evangelical element to what you were doing. <laughs> yeah, there really was. And the same way an evangelical is supposed to go out and, and get converts, our customers did that for us. We didn't have an advertising budget because we didn't have any money. But our customers would go out and say to people, you got to go check this place out. It's so cute. It's so sweet. Food's so good. It's in a little house. Lady Bird Johnson, the former first lady of the United States, was one of our best, uh, longest-term customers. She was a joy. Her people would call and say, can Mrs. Johnson have a reservation tonight? And, you know, of course she could have a reservation tonight. So the big limos show up and lots of people are getting out of cars and, you know, they want a little privacy. Anyway, we adored her. We adored her family. And at a certain point, she had lost the ability to speak. I uh, believe there had been a series of small strokes. And I ended up being at an event with her at the old Johnson farm. And I said to her, I'm so glad to meet you. I own the Eastside Cafe. And thank you so much for being such a wonderful long-term customer of ours. And she looked at me and her eyes just widened. And she had this just big smile on her face. And because she couldn't speak to me, she grabbed her napkin and she dabbed the corners of her mouth. It was her way of saying to me, delicious, love that place. And she just touched her lips in the most wonderful way. It was incredible. And the woman who was her direct secret service companion said to me, I don't want this to hurt your feelings, but you all are our favorite place to come for dinner because Mrs. Johnson likes to come there and not have to fix up. And I said, that's the nicest thing you could ever have said to me. That's just exactly what we want to be. We want to be the place that you don't have to fix up. I love that anecdote. Isn't that the coolest? So you asked me if I, if I felt like we had accomplished the goal. And yes, that's one person who demonstrated to me that my dream of that restaurant was alive. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we talk about Austin in the 1980s, Dorsey's chance to meet her hero in life, and starting her urban farm. In Texas business, success doesn't happen by accident. Even the best operations need careful planning, a great team, and loads of hard work. Texas Mutual Insurance Company has helped all kinds of Texas businesses grow and thrive for more than 30 years with expert safety guidance and great workers' compensation coverage. With the right workers' comp partner, business is safer, stronger, better. Learn more at texasmutual.com better. I want to continue with the idea of a little bit of the history. You're in Austin in the mid-80s. Austin is different now. It's changing rapidly. People have an image of weird Austin. You were there at the weird Austin time, I think. What was it like to be in your 20s in the 80s in Austin? It was fabulously weird. I chose Austin literally because I could kind of be my 
hippie, non-traditional, non-conformist, wear blue jeans and a t-shirt to work self. Those were the things I needed. And it was a different, different time. Can we talk about the continuation of your mission now with House Bar, Urban Farm, and Guest House? What is the mission that you're on now with your new business? It's 100% the same mission. And I had always paid gardeners, because I didn't have the experience to manage our garden, to grow the beautiful organic vegetables on our property. And at year 20, I thought, you know what? I want to be that person. I was reading Michael Pollan, who was opening the eyes of millions of people to the downside of industrial agriculture, pollution, animals treated inhumanely, workers being poisoned by chemicals, all of those things. I became obsessed with figuring out how to do my small part for undoing the nasty stuff going on in industrial agriculture, industrial food production. So I would stay awake every night for months reading, how can I plant this? What do I need to avoid? What do I need to make sure that I'm doing? So I filled every plantable inch of the property on Manor Road, the acre around the physical building, the old house, just planted every square inch and it wasn't enough. So by this time, I had met and married a wonderful woman, Susan Hausman, my wife, and I said to her one morning, I want to start an urban farm. I want to move back into the middle of the city of Austin and start an urban farm. And she said, let's do it. So that was how this next chapter began. I found a quote from Michael Pollan. He says, we can change the way we make and get our food so that it becomes food again, something that feeds our bodies and our souls. Imagine it. Every meal would connect us to the joy of living and the wonder of nature. Every meal would be like saying grace. He's embracing this religious fervor that you have embraced. I'm having chills. I mean, I'm, it just couldn't be more perfect. That's why I follow him. <laughs> he's, he's my guru. And I have had the amazing, incredible fortune to have had him visit our farm twice. We produced a couple of events for him when he was speaking. So it was amazing to take him around and say, you did this. You know, look what we have done because of what you have inspired in us. Actually, at both of those occasions, someone took a picture of the two of us, of me with Michael Pollan. And I now call him my boyfriend, um, of course, he does not <laughs> Your know Your wife's that. not jealous, I, I assume. <laughs> no, right. Exactly. Exactly. So I have on my bedside table a picture of Michael Pollan with his arm around me. An altar to the, to the prophet. Exactly. With House Bar and Urban Farm and Guest House, who are your customers? How do you earn a living? Who's buying your stuff? Let me jump back just a little bit because we didn't talk about my departure from the Eastside Cafe. I sold my restaurant 24 years into it to my business partner, left the restaurant and its acre and its organic uh, farm or garden rather, left that, sold it and began to be a full-time urban farmer 
two miles away from the Eastside Cafe. And the wonderful thing that happened was that because I'd been in the restaurant business for so long, I had connections all over the city of Austin. And so I started knocking on their doors, bringing them a handful of radishes and a bag full of lettuce and some beets. And I said, I'm starting this crazy farm. Here's some eggs from these hens that run around madly and happily all day. And here, they're yours. Try them if it looks like something you'd like to do uh, to support us and jump into this crazy adventure, then um, here's how you order for me and we'll uh, harvest and deliver to you. And it worked. (laughs) And now our restaurant customers have been supporting us for 10 years. Now we started the farm 12 years ago, only started to selling uh, to other people's restaurants 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's been a fabulous success. And the way that Uh, we begin to work with chefs is that um, we invite them to come to the farm for a tour. One of the most important parts of the tour is that we go through the garden and we have what I call a garden tasting. So I ran the wine program of my restaurant for 24 years. So I was tasting wine and developing my palate and things for 24 years. And essentially what we do is we bring chefs in and we have a farm version of a wine tasting. So we walk through the garden and I'm picking and picking and picking and passing to them. Here, taste this. See what that texture is like. See what that flavor is like. This is a weed called wood sorrel. We don't discourage weeds. We let weeds grow. Taste this. Put this in your mouth. It's got a great little crunch. It's got a beautiful heart-shaped little leaf and it tastes like lemon. And we go to the next plant. And I'll say, this is yerba buena. This is uh, an essential herb in Mexican cooking. It's got these beautiful dark green convoluted leaves. It tastes like mint, but with umami. And we just go, we'll spend an hour doing that. You are a chef's farmer. Absolutely true. That's that's absolutely true. Dorsey Barger, I have now made it a mission of mine. I need to go to your house bar, Urban Farm, and guest house in Austin. And I'm really excited for this conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been wonderful to talk to you. No Hill for a Climber is produced by Ben Henry and Dan Katz at Texas Public Radio. 